Hello, and welcome to Unknowable, the podcast where we talk about all things mysterious, unusual, or unknowable. Wow, okay, let me do that one more time. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good start. How did I forget that? <laughs> <clears throat> Hello, and welcome to Unknowable, the podcast where we talk about all things mysterious, unusual, or unknowable. I'm Justine. And I'm Gray. Today, we are talking about the Boys on the Tracks case, also known as the deaths of Don Henry and Kevin Ives. Yeah, very, very sad. This is a... Um, fans of Unsolved Mysteries may remember this. This is actually <laughs> where I... episodes. <laughs> yes. Honestly, I think, yeah, we've had several that have been featured, but this one is one that I actually didn't know about until Unsolved Mysteries and... I remember like immediately putting it on our list. Um, yeah, we've been watching Unsolved Mysteries on and off since it aired, basically. Like, right. I remember watching it as a kid, um, but have rewatched at least the first six or seven seasons as an adult. And yeah, I remember seeing this a couple of years ago and being like, oh, damn, this is interesting. And I didn't know half of where the story went at the time. Right. Right. Like, yeah, there's a lot here. There's a lot, but it just struck me as a creepy, creepy little weird story. So the basic story is uh, late August 1987, the bodies of 16-year-old Don Henry and 17-year-old Kevin Ives were hit by a cargo train in Alexander, Arkansas, as they lay on the tracks. The deaths initially were ruled an accident, but later found out to be more likely a homicide dun 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 so we're going to go into all of the details that make that up um so basic story around 4 a.m august 23rd 1987 by the way the year of my birth Ayo. yeah i was only two months old Damn. um yeah that's weird that is weird. A, <laughs> you weren't even born yet nope um 75 car 6000 ton union pacific locomotive en route to little rock arkansas spotted two boys lying motionless across the tracks so picture trains going forward down the tracks these boys are laying is it perpendicular the word i'm looking for yes yeah yes exactly so they're laying right next to each other they're laying across the tracks so like their torsos are laying across um right next to each other some people on the train actually aside from the engineer people on the train also saw these kids which is like so awful to think Oof, that there were people yeah. on the train it's rough that noticed yeah like oh shit and so some people noticed that they were wrapped from the waist down in a light green tarp um the engineer attempted to sound the horn several times and they did put the emergency brake on but being what it is and them going 50 miles an hour, they were unable to avoid running over the bodies. Um, Jesus. Yeah. So within 40 minutes or so, police arrived on the scene. They actually never found the tarp, oddly enough, but there was a 22 caliber rifle and a flashlight nearby. Hmm. Um, the sort of leading up story is reportedly the boys had left home around midnight. Um, they had been hanging out with some friends then they went back to Don's house briefly. He spoke to his dad, Curtis, uh, around midnight, told his dad where they planned on going, which was the train tracks, their usual spot for an interesting form of night hunting that they did frequently, apparently, that yeah. is illegal in Arkansas. That's called spotlighting. 
I would also argue immoral. Yes. Yes. Very immoral as well. Yeah. It, if anybody doesn't know, and I didn't know this existed, um, it involves basically one of the boys would shine the flashlight in the animal's eyes, kind of transfixing them. And the other one would shoot the animal, which I mean, okay. I am, I'm not a hunter. I've never hunted, but I feel like if you have enough time to shine a flashlight in the animal's eyes, you could just shoot it. I would think it's like roughly the same reaction time. Right. Like, I don't know. It just keeps them still long enough that you can, I don't know. Again, this is illegal in Arkansas. I'd imagine illegal in a lot of places. Right. Um, so, but that's what they were up to. And I just, I found that whole part of it, like just struck me as so weird. Like not only were they doing that, but it's a thing that they did enough that they had a favorite spot and they're right. like, at least the one kid's dad knew that they were doing that and was like, see you kids later. Right. I, I mean, know, to be fair, it was the eighties in rural Arkansas. I don't think that there was True. much else to do. Yeah. It just didn't sit right with me, but that's what they were doing. And so hence the gun and the flashlight near them. That's what they were up to. So yes. not great. No. Um, again, really sad. Like this dad last talked to his son, at, you know, a little after midnight and then by 4am the son is dead. Um, yeah, that's rough. Yeah. So the state medical examiner, Dr. Fami Malik ruled the deaths an accident. He claimed it was the result of marijuana intoxication. Yeah. He they said had the, the reefer boys, madness. <laughs> yeah. They had smoked the equivalent of 20 marijuana cigarettes and fell asleep on the tracks is what he said. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay. So I can say, um, here's, here's the part where I can chime in. As a lifelong <laughs> marijuana smoker, yeah. I don't care if you smoke 20 marijuana, quote unquote, marijuana cigarettes or 40. There's not like it's an opiate. You're not going to like pass out in a coma. Right on the train tracks and not wake up to a fucking train coming at you. And then not only the train coming at you, but then slamming on its brakes. So then the screeching of the train, yeah, you're going to wake up. Exactly. There's no way. And then not only that, but I do know that back in the day, weed wasn't as strong. Like there wasn't as high of a THC content in the weed. So the weed that they were smoking wasn't even like medical grade weed from nowadays. It was like dirt weed grown in somebody's backyard with a low THC content. Right. So again, we're talking about Alexander, Arkansas, like tiny town. Right. In rural United States. This was not like a hotbed for great marijuana. I mean, I'm going to, I'm not a marijuana expert. Definitely not a marijuana (laughs) expert as far as like where the good stuff is. But I got to say, I'd be surprised if Alexander, Arkansas was a exactly place to go in the late eighties. So yeah, the call bullshit on that, on that evaluation right there. Yeah, it was pretty immediately, I think. he, The medical examiner referred to it as a drug-induced coma. Um, he also said something about the psychedelic effects of marijuana. So I don't yeah. think there was... So it definitely was like a factor in this was that marijuana was much more demonized even than it is today back in the 80s. So, But you yep. gotta like... I can accept that and like that could apply to just some random people saying that kind of shit, but like a medical examiner who has his basis in yep. science, that is not acceptable to me that somebody would say no. that that was possible at all. Or yeah, that it's, there's nothing psychedelic about marijuana. They're no. just like, that's a proven fact. And I mean, I don't know. The, yeah. And to be fair, there wasn't a lot of like, um, 
research being done about weed back then because it was a schedule one drug. And so you couldn't even like study it. So like people didn't know shit about it. They just went based off those awful movies like reefer madness and stuff. Also this was peak. um, This is like right during uh, like late Ronald Reagan's presidency. So Mm. the war on drugs, just say no. um, Like, like anti-drug culture is at its peak. And this is like, that's true. Rural, like, like, you know, God fearing Republican country here in rural Arkansas. So, Oh yeah. Still is not, not excusing it, but it's like, it, it makes sense that yeah. this medical examiner is like, so like, <laughs> so hard against weed that he would say that you, it puts you in a drug induced coma. Yeah. Cause that's like, ridiculous. That's honestly ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Like don't smoke weed kids. Cause otherwise you will wrap yourselves in a tarp, lay still across some train tracks and you'll die. Yeah. Why would you also, why are they wrapped in a tarp of all places to pass out? Like, yeah. why would active train tracks be the place where you like choose to lay down and smoke 20 marijuana cigarettes? Which again, let me say that would, that's a, that's a lot. Smoking 20 of anything is yeah. a lot. Like that would take that time. Likely You'd would have not to, like, happen. No. It, yeah. Not to mention like <sighs> we can't assume that two people even doing the same drug or drinking the same amount of alcohol would respond mm-hmm. the same way. So the fact that both of them, two different kids smoked all this marijuana and they both passed out. Right. Like just there's so many likely, things like a high tolerance too. If they smoke weed rel- relatively regularly. Yeah. Like, yeah, they're not, it's just, they're not like this wasn't the first rodeo. No, just not going to happen. So the parents understandably did not accept this. They were like bullshit. So part of it, they didn't believe that the boys were involved with drugs, which I have to laugh at a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a quote from Kevin's father, Larry, basically saying, you know, I'm home a lot during the day. His mother's home at night. Like we had never seen him looking like he was under the influence, which <laughs> I'd argue like you wouldn't necessarily know. I mean, it, it's not like weed is not the same as some other drugs where you would act very differently if you were high on it. Mm-hmm. And especially if you smoked it more frequently than the parents realized, like they might've seen him stoned a lot and they might not have really known. I mean, you're not, again, there is like this stereotype of people who are, have never been around that who do think like, oh, somebody high on weed is like that super comical, exaggerated, like, Mm -hmm. hey, man, like talking super slow and like really red eyes like that doesn't apply to everybody. And that is pretty much like only if you're really fucking high, if you're Mm -hmm. smoking a little bit here and there and you're kind of just like, like you, I wouldn't know most of the time that you were high, like my husband smoked for a long while and like i didn't always know there were little parts of his personality that would come out more that i was like you are you high right now but for the most part it wasn't like you'd see him and be like that guy is stoned like it's just not that obvious of a thing unless all you know of weed is from movies the reefer madness yeah then sure like you're thinking of like cheech and chong and you're like oh well he didn't act like that so Mm -hmm. like what parents really want to be like yeah we know my kid our kid was probably you know smoking pot like that like you said at the time this was like at the height of you know don't do drugs type of thing so i think a lot of people Mm -hmm. were like no way like that's that's a dangerous world they're not involved in that and it's like really not that dangerous if you're just smoking weed with your friends it's just yeah like the least dangerous thing you can do yeah and witnesses of course at a public hearing later on confirmed that they did indeed smoke marijuana with kevin and don that night 
um, earlier before they had headed home. Yeah. So like not only that, but like, so his dad did see him stoned while the other kid's dad saw him stoned that night and Mm -hmm. either knew it or didn't, but they had already been smoking. So yeah, the parents were like, why would they have laid in identical positions? Could they really have slept through the sound of a train horn? I mean, if anybody has been around a train blaring their <laughs> right. horn at a close Just distance, like, a you train know. one time. Yeah. You could not sleep through that. Um, also, Don... Yeah, Don Henry's father noted, so it was his son that had the gun. Um, mm-hmm. Wow. That was a confusing sentence that I just said. Don Henry's yes. father. So Don was the one who had the gun. His father yes. said that he wouldn't have risked his gun getting scratched by laying it on gravel. Again, that seems a little idealistic. Maybe. I mean, he's a teenager. Was he really that yeah. protective of his gun? I don't know. Who knows? That, you know, parents always want their kids to be more respectful of things. But still, right. they thought it was a lot of stuff didn't add up. So they conducted their own investigation. And I do not say that lightly. They like read books on the effects of marijuana they spoke with experts they like went hard um Jeez. they hired a private investigator who apparently was met with a lot of resistance trying to question police or other agencies just hit a lot of brick walls um so in january five months after their deaths the parents held a press conference they were hoping that it would get the case reopened and it worked it was reopened the next day whoa they were like shit kind of reinvigorated public interest in the case i guess right um so the prosecutor richard garrett had their bodies exhumed they did a second autopsy um georgia medical examiner joseph burton found the equivalent of maybe one to three marijuana cigarettes not 20 whoa um yeah which was confirmed i think that public hearing the people who testified said that it was like a group of eight or nine of them I think like passed around maybe four or five total. So if you figure eight or nine kids passing around, maybe five cigarettes, like they didn't really get much of no. it was being passed to everybody. Puff, puff, pass. You're not you're <laughs> yeah. smoking a whole joint by yourself. You're taking like a few hits at a time. Yeah. But I do. I love the visual of just them like sitting by the tracks with just like a pile of marijuana yes. cigarettes, just like, like going through sh- one at a time. Stressed smoking them. Like, Oh God, there's just so many. Like, how do we keep smoking these? Yeah, how do we get through all these? Jesus. Like, you know, that that classic, like, your parents catch you smoking cigarettes, and they're like, you're going to smoke this whole box. Yeah, you're like, oh, I don't, I'm so high, I don't want to smoke anymore. Too bad. Like, okay, I haven't been high very much in my life, but I have to think that, like, at some point, even if you had the focus initially of, like, I'm going to finish all these, like, you'd lose it pretty quick. (laughs) Oh, God, yeah. (laughs) You wouldn't be like, I need more. Like, two in. You'd be like, all right, I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. Like, you wouldn't even be thinking of it anymore. So, yeah, so they did not smoke 20 cigarettes, but it's funny that he thought that they did. Um, Also, there was evidence that one of them was already dead and the other was unconscious at the time of the train's arrival. So in July, a grand jury reversed the ruling and at that point ruled it a probable homicide. So I reading this initially for like a moment before I came to my senses was perplexed. I'm like, how? I mean, this medical examiner, the first guy wasn't great. But how did Mm -hmm. he miss the fact that they were like already dead or unconscious? And then I was like, oh, they were run over by a train going 50 miles an hour. Yeah. And I was thinking about that too. And I was thinking in my head that they would be like kind of like 
cleanly cut in half or whatever, or like cut into right. what, three pieces. But thinking about it, like there's all that, like when you look at it, the front of a train, like there's all kinds of stuff hanging below the axles. So they Oof, were yeah. more than likely just like shredded. Yeah. That's kind of the word that I came to as well. Yeah. It's like rough. The Unsolved Mysteries website, uh, unsolved.com mentioned that despite the emergency brakes being pulled, and this is like, I think most people know this about trains, like, the thing that sucks is that if a train conductor, train conductor, yeah, sees that there's somebody on the tracks, like, most likely they aren't going to be able to stop because, yeah, unless the train's going very slowly, and I think even then it's just like the weight of the train, the momentum going, it's really, really hard to stop it anytime oh, soon. Yeah. So, like, unless you see it far, far off, you're probably going to hit whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why like don't fucking risk running onto train tracks because I- even if you think like oh they wouldn't hit me they don't really have a choice and then this poor conductor has to live yep. forever thinking thinking that maybe he killed these people mm-hmm. um but yeah the train despite the emergency brakes being pulled the train continued for a full half mile Jesus. so it's not even like they were laying there and they got run over by one train car they probably got run over by a decent number of cars it's awful yeah awful yeah. To think and it, about. It mentioned their bodies being terribly mangled. So Oof. probably how it got missed initially. And, you know, despite the weird circumstances, though, like I, just for me, I would think as a medical examiner, I'd be a little suspicious as to like the fact that if the conductor had said like, oh, they were laying on the tracks and they heard the, the, you know, break. So they heard something and they were like scrambling to move and they couldn't like then I'd be like, okay, they were just fucking around. Mm-hmm. But the fact that he said that he blared the horn and they didn't even flinch, like you wouldn't, yeah. you'd think as a medical examiner, you'd be like, huh? Even if somehow you passed out from smoking your one to three marijuana cigarettes and you were <laughs> yeah. sleeping on the train tracks, which I don't think you would be wrapped up in a tarp with your right. like your friend that you go hunting with. Just none of that makes sense. But mm-hmm, even exactly. if you did somehow fall asleep in, under those circumstances, you would wake up to either the sound of the train, the horn blaring or the brake screeching. No right. way that you wouldn't. And at least like, yeah. Try, yeah, like you said, like try to scramble or try to do something to get off the tracks. Yeah. He said he saw no movement whatsoever. Yeah. So, um, so the prosecutor, Richard Garrett, next focus on the tarp, uh, multiple witnesses confirmed seeing it covering them. The initial hmm. investigators that arrived at the scene claimed they were never told about it by the conductor and it was never found, which is very suspect. And I will mention a detail about that in our theories, but that's just a weird, there was a tarp. It seems like it'd be hard to imagine that, yeah. that you saw them wrapped in it and it wasn't there at all. Again, they were mangled, but like it, there would have been traces of it somewhere. Um, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. I'm not an expert on what happens to you when you get run over by a train, but I can't imagine that things are being, <laughs> you know, flown like that far from the site like it's not like it's i don't know you're not being hit standing up and you're gonna like fly forward you're like laying on the ground flat yeah so it's not like it flew off somewhere right um oddly enough six weeks after the case was reopened the prosecutor richard garrett found a similar case in hodgin oklahoma two young men billy hainline and dennis decker were found lying on railroad tracks and hit in 1984 positioned almost identically to kevin and don but also no suspects were found. So I didn't dive very deep into that, but I kind of wish that I had because I was like, what? Yeah, that is suspicious. That's very strange. Um, But yeah, they basically found Don Henry's shirt contained evidence of a stab wound. He had like these rips in his shirt that were consistent with that um, hmm. to the back. And Kevin Ives skull may have been crushed by his, the butt of his own rifle. 
Jesus. So at that point, they changed the ruling to definite homicide. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But sadly, in 1995, the investigation into their murders was officially closed with no one captured or identified. Um, hmm. Yeah, there was a local witness came forward later claiming that on the night of the murders, he saw two police officers beating two boys senseless in a store parking lot before tossing them into a truck and driving away. But it's unknown who those boys were or whether that was true or who knows. Right. There's a lot of that. There's a lot of like uncorroborated reports in this whole story. Oh yeah. There's, there's a ton. So I briefly looked up, you know, Linda Ives, um, Kevin's mother. She, I think seems like the center point of, the parents, the families being completely engrossed with like getting justice served for this case. Hmm. Um, she apparently like over the years has collected every piece of evidence that she can get her hands on. She's done interviews. Um, she actually filed a lawsuit claiming insufficient response to freedom of information requests back in 2016, hmm. hoping to get unredacted documents from three Arkansas law enforcement agencies and eight federal agencies. Um, she basically from the beginning has alleged that there's a cover up on this whole thing that some people are behind this and don't want it found out. Sadly, a judge tossed out most of the suit, but he did order the executive office of us attorneys, the DEA and the department of Homeland security to hand over documents. So I guess that, I don't know if that's still in review or what the situation is there, but yeah, Hmm. she's, She's gone pretty hard. And again, I think I could have dove deeper into what she's done over the years, but just know that Kevin's mother is very much obsessed with this as you would be. You'd want to know. Oh God. Yeah. Especially if you think that something more sinister, I mean, more sinister than just murder. Correct. State level sinister. Ayo. Ayo. So suspects and theories. There are many. There are many. Um, um yeah so a week before they died a man wearing military fatigues did you read about this guy yeah just wicked suspicious again uncorroborated yeah. report but yeah uncorroborated um he had been spotted not far from the train tracks a police officer danny allen attempted to stop him i guess he was acting suspiciously which right. we all know is subject to interpretation but right I would imagine standing by the train tracks wearing military fatigues would be enough to satisfy that criteria, but yeah, I think possibly. So the officer, I guess, tried to stop him. The man opened fire on him and disappeared into the night. Jesus. Again, this was a week before. (laughs) Yeah. Hmm. (laughs) I mean, you know, he's all camouflage. So right. Just like he's ready. Disappeared into the woods. Um, and then on the same night that they died, a similar looking man, also in military fatigues, was spotted nearby, heading down a road less than 200 yards from where they were hit. But hmm. he was never found or identified. It seemed like he was heading out of town. So that's interesting. Potentially suspicious. Um, that fits, I don't know, a, I like, few of, that fits a few of these like whole like stories too. Like when we get into like the theories of what may have happened, that guy could have been involved in several of the theories however you want to oh yeah talk about how the kids died the fun part about this case is that there are many theories that can tie together yes in a way there's like a whole lot of overlap um and more than i thought i really went into this case like i was intrigued by this case just because it was like 
that just struck me as so weird this train coming upon these boys laying across the tracks like what yeah just one of those ones where like you're just dying to know like what happened in that hour before that right how did they get what? there yeah how'd they get there did they lay themselves you just don't know but i had no idea how much there would be behind this story um so yeah never found that guy <laughs> i don't know much about arkansas but i just like to me i have to feel like there's more people wandering around in military fatigues with guns than oh, right like that's just like oh that just seems like it would be normal for arkansas right i mean i guess if you figure these kids were hunting there this these could be like relatively well-known hunting grounds so he could have just been a hunter but right. the fact that he like fired on the police like that's a that's a pretty extreme thing you know what i mean it's not it's not like he just like ran or something like firing at a police officer wearing military fatigues like in the middle of the woods mm. like right next to where these two kids turn out murdered it's super suspicious yeah, I, I would have a hard time as long as this is like a true like as long as this, this actually happened i have a hard time believing that this guy wasn't involved right in some way which just means the fact that he was never identified or located he could kind of fit into several of these people that were potentially involved like right any of these people could have been him um yeah the usual theory given about their deaths believed at least for a while by kevin's mother linda involves drug trafficking so mm -hmm. one theory is that the boys came upon a drug drop from an airplane similar to barry seals operations near mina and were murdered so for some backstory yeah. you've got the backstory on this yeah so barry seal was a commercial airline pilot who got kicked out of being a TWA pilot by trying to smuggle, I think he's trying to smuggle explosives into Mexico. So then he started this career where he was like smuggling marijuana um, into and out of Mexico or out of Mexico rather and money into Mexico. And he ended up in a prison in Honduras where he like met a bunch of South American drug traffickers. Long story short, he ended up being the official american pilot of the medellin cartel like for pablo mm. escobar yeah so his strategy was to f he he bought private planes they also bought an island in the caribbean Whoa. and they would he would load up his planes in colombia with cocaine fly them to the island refuel on the island and then fly real low over the ocean to uh near baton rouge louisiana which is where barry seal was from if you look at a map Louisiana seems really far away from like Colombia, but if you look at it in relation to like the Caribbean, it's really not that far of a flight. So the ideal situation would be flying into Florida because it's so close, but because it was being watched so heavily and he had these connections in Louisiana, he's like, oh, we'll just go there. So he would fly low and at a predetermined spot, they would literally just push a bale of cocaine out the back of the plane into this like rural field somewhere and there would be people on the ground waiting to pick up the drugs throw it in a truck drive it to florida to be distributed whoa and i don't know i should have looked on a map to see like what what this train track area looked like if it was indeed close to you know something that you mentioned where a lot of just rural area where it would have been a spot where there could have been a drug drop like that whether it was literally from a plane or from who knows what just right i don't know if it i think there was another topic that we did that was similar to this where it was like 
the general population not totally understanding how drug trafficking works right being like oh we heard about this guy who has his planes near here like they Mm -hmm. saw a drug drop and it's like that might not be totally how it works and it seems like he may not have even trafficked in mina he just moved his planes there to not Mm -hmm. continue to be suspicious in louisiana so looking at it on and like a satellite view of where the kids were found like it's not super rural like it's pretty like like close to the the town or whatever like it's obviously not Mm. like they're hunting there so it's relatively rural but it's not like as far i feel like it would be dangerous because he's flying super low in this plane so people would notice if this plane every week or whatever is flying all low over the town you know right yeah enough enough like housing and stuff yeah so probably not literally barry seal or even somebody doing a drug drop from a plane but perhaps they stumbled upon some other drug trafficking in some way they you know it wouldn't be that hard i think to come across a drug deal happening and depending on the situation for them to be like well you need to die now Mm -hmm. so right that's definitely one of the big theories they're tying into that there's also the thought that they being back there by the train tracks by the woods they stumbled upon a meth lab um there were definitely meth labs happening back there in the woods a lot of you know people with their houses sort of in the middle of nowhere nobody really super close by or the woods kind of obscuring the view doing some meth cooking well it's interesting did you look into like the so the type of meth labs would be like so you like people hear stories about like oh like a meth lab was found in like a walmart bathroom and it's like Mm. how the fuck is somebody cooking meth in a walmart bathroom and it's less about having like a literal like lab space set up and it's more you mix all of the chemicals you need to make meth in like a two liter bottle And then Mm. it has to cook for a certain amount of time. And that's the dangerous part. So if you mix the chemicals, put it in a two liter bottle and then just go stash it somewhere while it cooks, that would make sense because like it would be small enough to just carry out into the woods. Um, You could bury it or just set it somewhere. So it was like out of like the elements or whatever, let it cook and do its thing. And so there could have been like several of these things set up. So it's not like a, like a lab as in like a, you know, like a structure. It's more of just like right. these scattered little bottles of meth cooking. Hmm. Um, that makes sense. Which could still be like an, 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 an organized like space where people had like multiples of them, but it wouldn't be like a building. So right. that's, hmm. so that's what I think of is a little strange. Like why would, why would these kids have like, I guess like if I was a kid and I stumbled upon like a two liter bottle of what was, I, like, I wouldn't know what a meth lab was. You know what I mean? Like, right. Yeah. Not I'd at just all. Be like, oh, there's just like some two liter bottle. I wouldn't even look twice if there was like a two liter bottle just like on the side of the train tracks. Yeah. Not at all. But yeah, you wouldn't like go investigate it and you like definitely wouldn't try to like, it's not like you try to steal it or something. Like I just doubt right. unless they were deeper into the drug stuff than anybody thinks. I don't think that they like knew enough about that to be like, oh, cool. Right. Well, they were, they were smoking reefer. So it's the gateway drug. Yeah. They were gateway drug. They were deep in there. <laughs> No, so I don't know. They they did one of the police reports, I guess, filed seven months after their deaths did state um, a confidential informant states that she had been told that the area the two boys died is in a drug drop zone for dope. Hmm. So but that's just kind of general. I mean, just because they were in a potential drug drop zone doesn't mean that that's what they witnessed. But it kind of added some more legitimacy to that theory is that like, oh, well, there are drug deals that go down there. Mm-hmm. perhaps that's what they came across um so dan Harmon, 
a prosecutor of the case was later arrested for dealing drugs. Hmm. He is one of the people implicated in the murder. Um, it wasn't until 1997, about 10 years later, but he was convicted of racketeering, conspiracy, extortion, and drug possession with intent to distribute. Wow. Um, yeah, there was a book about this case written by Mara Leverett called, what is it called? Boys on the Tracks, Death, Denial, and a Mother's Crusade to Bring Her Son's Killers to Justice. Mm-hmm. That was written in 1999. Um, in her book... She says that his conviction and resulting prison sentence proved, at least to the boy's parents, that their son's deaths, quote, had occurred in an environment of local corruption. Yeah. They were already feeling that way. And then, like, the prosecutor being convicted, they were like, shit, like, he was involved in distributing drugs as well. Like, who can we trust? I mean, what better, like racket if you're dealing drugs and you're the prosecutor like you're the one who has to find yourself and prosecute yourself that's brilliant right brilliant it's perfect no and there i (laughs) yeah like (laughs) good job dan (laughs) don't know what you're up to now but great job probably prison Uh, yeah he's probably in prison still but yeah there was an entire article i got deep into that talked about a deputy prosecutor gene duffy who was heading a newly created drug task force that developed a theory that the area was used as a site for drug drops by plane. Um, But then her supervisor, who was the outgoing prosecuting attorney, Gary Arnold, gave her what she thought were strange orders to not use the drug task force to investigate any public officials. Um, Sick. Yeah, super sick. That's like, no, that's totally normal. Um, Her undercover agents were quickly linking public officials to drug dealings. And so she funneled that info to the U S attorney's office within months. She was fired amid allegations of financial mismanagement, child abuse, and official improprieties, which is ironic. Right. Um, no evidence was found to substantiate any of those claims. She received a subpoena that would have forced her to reveal the identity of her informants to some of the people being probed for corruption. Wow. She ignored that. She was issued a felony warrant arrest and she ended up leaving the state, which she obviously understandably felt like she was forced out because of her task force uncovering some apparently quite a few city officials that were involved in drug trafficking. That's wild. Good times. Um, and yeah, even the medical, that first shitty medical examiner, Fami Malik plays a little bit into that. Um, his initial ruling was ridiculous and that wasn't even his first. He, there was an entire article that I didn't even get into that like detailed all kinds of shitty rulings that he had made. Um, he supposedly once claimed that a decapitation victim had died of an ulcer. His story was that he thought the man died and then his dog ate his head off, Jesus. which he had been nibbled on by the dog, but like it doesn't take an expert to be able to see that like what a dog would do to remove somebody's head would not be like a clean cut. <laughs> it would just be like right. flesh ripped. But, um, wow. and even after so the boy's I mean, death redeemed homicides, like he still didn't back down. He said that he didn't think anybody laid a finger on those boys. That is which just, a great racket too. If you have the medical examiner and the prosecutor uh, yep. in, in on like the same thing, like you can, you can, you can get away with anything any murder that happens also the decapitation that's interesting because you know mexican drug cartels are famous for decapitating people as a a form of intimidation right i didn't really look too deep into what what the story was with that 
who died of decapitate like when was that happening but just odd like i just i have to hope that decapitations don't happen very often but (laughs) yeah but yeah so and yeah so you get the prosecutor you get the medical examiner and then potentially you even get some of the police in on it and then you're like good to go i mean what what more do you need right what 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 better of a racket for dealing drugs do you have in rural arkansas yeah so yeah so then in 1994 the clinton chronicles was released this was a propaganda video purporting to connect bill clinton to various crimes so sick at the time of this death happening um weird to kind of forget this but bill clinton was the governor of arkansas yeah i like totally forgot about that until this yeah, I I was like, wait, how is Bill Clinton tied to this? But oh yeah, then I was like, wait, yeah, he's from Arkansas. Oh, oh right. yeah. Yeah, so, and then yeah, so of course the deaths of these kids were among the crimes that he was supposedly involved in. So it advanced the conspiracy theory that while governor of Arkansas, Clinton had a connection to a scandal involving large shipments of cocaine, guns, and money from Central America passing through Arkansas at the Mina Intermountain Municipal Airport, which wow. again is where uh barry seals had his planes that the boys had been murdered after stumbling upon a shipment Hmm. clinton also apparently sent a proposal to the legislature wow two months later it said two months later i'm not sure if that was like two months after their deaths exactly but somewhere in that after his ruling at least Hmm. um to raise the medical examiner's salary by 41.5 percent to over one hundred and ten thousand dollars. jesus um yeah, at hearings on the proposed pay raise, Linda Ives, Kevin's mother, and others who felt wronged by Malik's decisions began exchanging phone numbers and they formed an organization, Victims of Malik's Incredible Testimony or Vomit. Can you believe that? Wow. The Yeah, V-O-M-I-T. I can't believe it. Why would... Uh, that's a terrible acronym. I know, like, I have to think it was on purpose. Like, they're disgusted. I don't know. Mm-hmm. That couldn't oh, okay. have been like they had to realize that it was going to be that and they had to like stand by that i don't know right but um they began collecting signatures on petitions seeking um malik to be ousted as medical examiner supposedly clinton's staff refused to let the group present petitions to him for like a full three years hmm. i don't know hmm. so that's one of the things you can go super deep into all of that the clinton chronicles in general again this is very much conspiracy theory territory but we kind of dive into that occasionally because conspiracy theories do line up with technically unknowable things um big fan it isn't yeah it's not completely unreasonable to think that people in high positions of power abuse that power right and well that that would not be common knowledge i also can't help but overlook the fact that the whole idea of you know i think it was during the reagan era when um we were selling uh cocaine to the contras in south america to then or no yeah the iran contra scandal was selling Mm. cocaine in south america to buy missiles in iran iran yeah so like that's you know right in this area this is like right in this five-year period during the the, um reagan administration clinton's the governor it's conceivable that there was some kind of organized you know like cia plot or something and that could be what helped get clinton onto the national stage was just the uh, the shadow government the deep state 
Right. It's not patently ridiculous. Oh, yeah. No, it's not. We're not going like full QAnon here, but oh, God, it's... No. Yeah, no. By the way, we are never doing an no. episode of QAnon. Nope, because it does not deserve any more air. All of you listening know that. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> no, we are not. I mean, even saying it right now is like enough. Yes. Um, but yeah, it's not going to happen. Nope. The guy down the street from me with a QAnon sticker on his car will be very disappointed. Yeah. Good. I hope he doesn't listen to this. I There's no way. Not. Please don't. There's no way. If you believe in QAnon. All I ever see on his TV is like Fox News when I walk by his house. So. Ah. It's very on brand. Noble. Yeah, it is. It's literally on all the time. Like I walk by his house all times of the day walking with Julian and walking with Mukau. Like it doesn't matter what time of day it is. His like big screen TV is on and it's always playing the news. It's always. exhausting. It really is. I can't imagine. Um, he also started flying a, I think I told you a Trump 2020 flag, like full sized flag on a flagpole after the election. So it's a very surprising specific uh, statement there yeah we're also not worried if there's any trump supporters listening to this that won't listen anymore because we don't want you here anyway yeah go back now. to fox news or go listen to joe rogan or whatever you listen to yeah whatever the fuck you're up to go get your fucking youtube news dose or whatever the hell you do where you go one you go many yeah so anyways that's a whole part of this obviously it wasn't too long after that that clinton became president mm-hmm. so there's all kinds of you can go deep, deep into the Clinton Chronicles. Um, but that's one of the theories is like, if we're going to talk about this drug trafficking that Clinton himself was involved and he was in the local government at the time. So potentially mm-hmm. he kind of, you know, it's always unclear. Like, do these people know directly about it? Or are they just kind of like, everybody's helping out everybody. They're doing favors there. Right. If you do this for me, I'll let this slide for you. So, oh, yeah. you know, not that any one of those is necessarily more immoral than the other, but it's unclear. Like, how much he was involved. I'm not going to get into too much about Bill Clinton conspiracy theories, but yeah. that's just one of the proposed ideas. Um, then there's a man named Keith McCaskill. Do you read about this guy? Is he the wrestler? No, oh. no, we haven't even gotten, to we're getting there. <laughs> there is a wrestler coming up soon. Um, no, I don't know who, I don't think this guy was anybody in particular, but he was someone implicated for the murders. Hmm. Um, so a woman named Charlene Wilson, who was Dan Harmon, the sketchy prosecutor's lover at the time. Hmm. Um, and a boy said a boy named Tom. I'm assuming it was like also a teenager right. or maybe slightly younger kid right. um, who was in the woods that night. They both came forward and publicly stated that they saw who was with these kids prior to them being run over it was Dan Harmon himself and this man, Keith McCaskill. Hmm. Um, Dan's lover, Wilson, initially said that she'd been with Harmon for a drug drop and stayed in the car, and she just witnessed the kids being killed from the car by Dan Harmon and a couple of other people. Hmm. Later, she confessed to actually stabbing at least one of the boys, though they did a polygraph test and that deemed that that was a lie. So that kind of made her testimony a little sketchy. Like, why would you lie about... Why would you say initially you didn't and then you said that you killed the kid and then it says that you didn't kill? Like, why would you confess to killing the kid when you didn't? Hmm. Um, She ended up being set up by Harmon for selling drugs and she was given a pretty lengthy prison sentence. But um, to further this sketchy story, so McCaskill at some point turned over information that he had about the boys' murders to that prosecutor, Richard Garrett. Right. 
Uh, McCaskill believed that he had maybe talked to the wrong people. He started making his own funeral arrangements. He said goodbye to his family and friends. And within days, November 1988, he himself was murdered. He was stabbed over a hundred times. Jesus. And his murder also remains unsolved. Um, in and and according to although, that that one medical examiner, it was suicide. Seriously? No, no, no. But that's okay. that's the <laughs> kind of like, determination what? he would make. Like, yeah, he stabbed himself over a hundred times. Oh my god, that'd be amazing. Uh, <sighs> no, I mean it says okay. It said that his murder was unsolved. I think maybe the idea is that it was unclear who wanted him killed because in August 1989, Ronald Shane Smith was sentenced to 10 years for the murder. Um, it was theorized that Smith was paid to kill McCaskill. Um, a prison inmate said that he had been approached and offered four grand to kill McCaskill himself. So the theory is that they didn't get that inmate to do it. They got this Ronald Shane Smith to kill McCaskill. But I think maybe the unsolved part is who hired him to kill McCaskill. Cause that Ronald Shane Smith had nothing to do with McCaskill at all. Hmm. So who paid hmm. him? Who wanted him dead? Clearly, that was a meant to be a message. Right. Um, oh yeah. Obviously. So Again, stabbing somebody a hundred times is pretty intense. Yeah, that's that's a whole thing. Um. So then we get to former professional wrestler Billy Jack Haynes. Right. Came forward. Um. So yeah, this was an article that I found from 2018. So pretty recently said essentially Billy Jack Haynes was a wrestler back in the day. Yeah. I don't remember exactly when, but he was like somewhat of a big name. It seemed I'm not super huge into wrestling. Yeah. Not into wrestling, but from what it says, he was a famous wrestler. Yeah. I mean, I, I did watch some wrestling back in oh, yeah, like you did, middle school. Didn't you? <laughs> yeah. Jesus. I got real into that for a little while. Um, but not super into it. Uh, Joel, if you're listening, you might know Billy Jack Haynes. I need to, need to ask Joel about that. He's My like, friend Joel oh, is. Oh, yeah. He's sick. <laughs> yeah. He's like still pretty big into wrestling, I think. No offense, Joel. Um, <laughs> no offense, Joel. So Billy Jack Haynes sobered up. Uh, he reached out to Larry and Linda, Kevin's parents, after years of guilt. Um, they connected with private investigator Keith Runceval and Billy spilled his side of the story in a YouTube video designed to raise money for the investigation. Only the um, most legit stories are told on YouTube videos. I know, right? Like just sketchy up and down. <laughs> um, in a taped confession, he claimed that while performing in the eighties for the WWF, which is now WWE, he also transported and trafficked cocaine through the U S as well as providing muscle to ensure that jobs were collected on. Um, he says that his side job eventually brought him to Arkansas hmm. in August of that year, the month that the kids died. He was supposedly contacted by an Arkansas criminal politician is all that he referred to them as asked if he would provide muscle at an Arkansas drug transaction. Hmm. He again refers to this criminal politician multiple times, but never says his name, but mentions that the politician was suspicious that cash from drug money drops was being stolen so while conducting security for this transaction, which sounds so professional, oh yeah, um, he witnessed the murders of these two boys. He claimed even that he had videotaped the boys being run over by the train. I don't know why that like, would have happened. Right. Like why and how? Um, and cause this wasn't like yeah, the time like, of like smartphones. He would have had to have a video camera. 
Yeah, that's true. Like, I definitely, there was part of me that's just, like, imagining this big, like, comically muscly wrestler, right. like, hiding in the woods with just, like, his cell phone up. Right. Just, like, capturing this. Whoa. Like, why, dude? But no, it's that same It's that same mental image, but he had to bring a giant fucking camera bag because it was the 80s and all technology was giant. <laughs> so he has, like, one of those, like, shoulder-mounted, oh, like, news cameras. Yes. Yeah. Like, that would not have been easy. I don't know why. Right. And I mean, he confirmed what we know, essentially, which is that, you know, they were murdered by other individuals who were working for the same criminal politician um, and that their bodies were placed on the tracks to be mutilated to obscure evidence. But yeah, like why, why would you videotape that part? It's very strange. I don't know. And from what I read, like, I don't, it didn't seem like anybody actually saw this videotape necessarily. Um so yeah, he had reached out. So this article was 2018. He had reached out to the parents in 2016. He supposedly did hand over the names of everyone who was at the scene and kind of was, you know, acting very much the martyr saying that he was putting his life on the line, that he could be killed, but these people have to be taken down. So he was like, right. Very guilt ridden. Um, it's worth knowing. So a, he has a history of far fetched claims. He, claimed that he considered killing WWE promoter Vince McMahon. Jesus. He claimed that like Steve Austin was responsible for the death of Rowdy Roddy Piper. He had a lot of outrageous claims that he would make. Hmm. Um, but he has been discussing being involved in drug trafficking in interviews dating back to the early 2000s. So that part's not new. But he filed a federal lawsuit against the WWE in 2014 claiming that they mistreated their wrestlers and that he had suffered, quote, at least 15 concussions resulting in depression and symptoms of dementia. Jesus, yeah. CTE. So, yes, which totally legit thing, but comes into play a little bit when somebody makes a claim like that, that they're already suing the World Wrestling... What even does that stand for? World Wrestling what? Uh, e? Entertainment? Hmm. Sure. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Somebody's yelling um, at us right now really it, no into their into their like their oh, headphones yeah. as they're listening to this podcast it's entertainment <laughs> yeah, it. entertainment um, uh, but yeah. no, I, I, I can no totally idea, see how if he was like a child growing up or not a child but even like a young adult growing up um in arkansas this would have been a giant news story and it could have, you know, been a memory for him. And then after 15 concussions and CTE and he's like older, I mean, this was 2018, then he came forward with this. So it's been, you know, a long time to live with um, a degrading mental sort of state. So it's possible that his brain could have confused a memory with a, like a memory of a case that he read about with like a memory of like an actual lived experience. And right. he could be genuinely believing that this happened but just confused and or mistaken yeah it definitely it makes his confession a little bit less reliable i guess right. and i mean totally possible if he he was involved in drug trafficking it seems like that was a thing he talked about a lot so that wasn't oh yeah something that just came out of the blue for i'm not him. saying i'm not saying it's it's 100 not true i'm just saying there is right reasonable doubt yeah hmm so, yeah, that's pretty much the the theories that exist. Yeah. So I'm curious to hear. I know you've got a theory. Oh yeah. I like 
You didn't tell me that, but I just know. <laughs> I always have a theory. You always have a theory. As I'm reading it, I'm always just trying to figure out where I'm landing on it. I guess my yeah. theory is it's probably relatively benign in that um, the part that I would know for sure is that they probably stumbled upon some kind of drug deal. Yeah. Um, that seems like a lot of indications are pointing that that like, otherwise why would these two kids get murdered? Like one hit in the back of the head with the butt of a gun and one stabbed. Like that's not, it doesn't feel like a serial killer to me. Um, it doesn't feel like it, it feels like something like a, like a crime of opportunity almost. And then putting them on the train tracks is like a quick and easy way to kind of like cover up a crime like that. Um, mm. like maybe hoping that it would just get ruled an accidental death or whatever. Um, or knowing that you have the um, medical examiner in your pocket and knowing that it's not going to be, it's going to be ruled an accidental death. Um, and yeah, as for like who is, who is responsible for it, whether that's Bill Clinton or the Medellin cartel or some other local quote criminal politician, that's all, that's like too much for me to parse through. Like I'd have to dig deep Mm. into the, deep into the the weeds on local Arkansas politics and what particular, you know, well, cause like something as simple as like, you know, reading about, I I spend a lot of time reading about drug cartels, fascinated by them. So it's interesting when you think about heroin being sold on the streets of Chicago and you wonder where does that heroin come from? And you can trace it back to a specific cartel, the Sinaloa cartel in Mexico. Um, And they have this, you know, footprint that, is in this very specific part of the United States. So it's conceivable that that part of Arkansas was sort of like administered or dealt to from a very specific drug cartel in Mexico or Colombia or whatever. So it's conceivable that you could figure out who had control of that territory, who was running drugs in to that territory, where was it headed? You know, that could have been like a way, a way stop on the way to Florida or like somewhere on the East coast, like who knows, that could have just been like a, a sort of like one place where the drugs changed hands before they got to their ultimate destination. Um, but it also sounds like we may never really know because of all of the corruption in Arkansas at the time, all of those corrupt politicians who were arrested, yeah. the prosecutor who was arrested. It sounds like it was just a clusterfuck of sort of like local drug, not drug traffickers, but you know, drug trafficking adjacent public officials and then potentially, you know, international drug cartels. That guy wearing the camo, he could have been one of the the Sicarios, one of the hitmen for the drug cartel. He could have been just a hunter that, you know, I don't know why he shot at the police. I can't I can't believe that, that guy was anything other than involved, given that detail that he shot at the police. So, so I think, yeah, these kids just stumbled upon, you know, the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, it could have been the meth lab situation. That guy who was wearing the camo two weeks before the bodies were found, he could have been checking on his meth labs. He could have been putting the meth labs into the ground there and letting them cook. And right. maybe the kids just have, if they went out hunting all the time, maybe it just happened to be that night that he was like going back to like harvest the meth or whatever. And he, and the kids stumbled upon him. Um, yeah. Maybe they didn't even see him. Maybe he just saw their giant flashlight through the woods and was like, shit, what if those kids saw me and went and killed them? So I wish it was something, I wish there was like some kind of like supernatural angle to this, but I don't think there is. I think it's just drugs. 
one of the yeah one of the few topics of ours there's like nothing weirder to go on it's like pure yeah because i think my general theory like you said isn't i can't get super specific because i'm like there's so many options for like who specifically um and it's so hard i mean somebody claiming that they were there with dan Harmon. i i mean i do think it's very possible i don't without like you said without knowing the real specifics of like arkansas state politicians i don't know (laughs) was this guy potentially dangerous enough that like on top of this conspiracy and moving drugs like was he also a murderer i don't really know Mm -hmm. um or did he just deal with people who were and were willing to do that to cover this up you have to think somebody that's in a position like that in the state government has possibly a bit more to lose Mm-hmm. in a sense that you know might have higher stakes if they were involved in something and some kids like you said stumbled upon it there's no part of this that makes me think that these kids were like involved in any deeper way besides an accidental mm-hmm. stumbling right um i it's possible i suppose but it just it seems like you said wrong place at the wrong time yeah and they just fucked with the wrong people right they're teenagers by, smoking weed they're not like young adults dealing drugs it's very different no no, the only thing that, again, like we, we were talking before we recorded about the fact that this, so there's a podcast called True Crime Garage, mm. and they did a four part episode on this topic. So there's so much more to be talked about involving this that we just didn't get super, super into. So it's possible there was some background with the kids that maybe implicates them further as far as actually being involved. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing in the story that makes me think that's not impossible is the fact we kind of talked about how immoral it was that they were spotlighting right so Hmm. does that say that maybe they were capable of doing some other sketchy things possibly also kids are just dumb i don't know yeah they could have got caught up in anything um but yeah i don't know it just feels to me like they were out there doing something shady Mm -hmm. in the fucking middle of the night where shit like that happens yep and saw something that they shouldn't have seen and suffered as a result so yeah i don't really know that i can say who i think for sure did it mm-hmm. but i definitely think it, it seems pretty obvious that they they were killed to be silenced yeah. and to send a message as well i mean that's a story to teenagers even just being hit by the train and then especially when it comes out that it's homicide is sending a little bit of message to like you said if this is a an area where a certain cartel has their footprint like sort of a message to like hey if you fuck with us right this is gonna happen and yeah yeah. i i think it's totally feasible that there were multiple other officials that were in the pocket of this that that examiner for one for sure for sure obviously that prosecutor was involved in this stuff so that kind of does i mean i can see that as the parents you or you're already feeling like this case is being mismanaged Mm -hmm. like you're not going to get any answers and then you start finding out that these people are at the best fucking scenario incompetent at the worst like <laughs> specifically insidious yeah. so when you know that you're kind of like shit like i don't know who to believe nobody here is actually trying to solve this because it's not even in their best interest to do so right um to expose themselves or to expose other people that they work with or work for so right i definitely think there there was something much more malicious happening here um for sure they were not killed by that train running them over we oh know God, that no. that's for certain, the, that's but, what i know for sure 
yeah no this was not a serial killer this was not a random killing like if the idea is that that guy in fatigues was just like some unstable guy running around i don't think that's the case at all i think right this was an intentional murder to send a message i agree but just by who and to who is unclear right so yeah just Hmm. went way darker than i thought man i like totally dove into this thinking like oh this is gonna be weird there's some weird story behind why these kids were on the tracks and you're like oh shit Shit, this is like deep ass state government level drug conspiracy shit happening right insane it's wild yeah fascinating so pretty good one pretty good happy with that at some point we'll have to do a little possibly a follow-up connection of like how this case connected with that other case in oklahoma yeah are there other similar cases where kids were just laying on train tracks? Because that seems like too much of a coincidence that yes, there were two young men laid on the train tracks, possibly that didn't die that way in a different mm-hmm. state in the same several years, 1984. That's only three years prior. That mm-hmm. cannot be a coincidence. Right. Yeah. That can't be a coincidence. So, maybe we'll dive into that at some point. So hmm. yeah, that's a, the boys on the tracks. So definitely curious, especially if any of you listeners like live in the area, you live in Arkansas, mm-hmm. you, especially if you're older, if you were like alive then and heard about that, or if it's, is it still talked about? What do you think happened? Who do you think was involved? We would love to know your thoughts. Right. So hit us up, check us out on Instagram, a noble podcast, check out yeah. our Patreon. Yep. We haven't talked about it in a bit, but we've got lots of new tiers to get cool stuff. You can get a tote bag now. You can get stickers. You can get crazy art by Gray. Um, All kinds of cool things, including early access to episodes. If you want to hear episodes on Tuesday instead of Wednesday, you can do that now. Um, So yeah, go check it out. Let us know what you think. But this has been The Boys on the Tracks. It's been unknowable. Unknowable. (laughs) Love you. Love you.